Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Radio Show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. We're recording this show a little bit earlier in the week. Hope our listeners can listen to us pontificate on North Carolina, North Carolina State as they travel to and from their Thanksgiving vacations or Thanksgiving destinations. I'll start with Greg first, um, since I like to alternate starting with you guys. Greg, Carolina uh, has not had a good season. State comes into town having had a pretty much NC State season. Hills have a chance to end end on a good note. Your thoughts overall on this ball game, the mindset maybe of this team going into this game? Yeah, I think I think North Carolina's got a pretty good mindset right now. They understand that uh, they have not had the season they've wanted to have. No doubt about that. They understand their head coach is under fire. They understand there's a lot of good seniors on this on this team that uh, have done a pretty good job leading this group. Uh, hasn't really shown on the field necessarily. So I think there's a lot of reasons for, for North Carolina to, to want to come out and play well. Uh, I, I don't think NC State is, is some uh, elite team. I think the ACC as a whole is, is really down this season. I mean, it's Clemson and, uh, and, and everybody else, essentially. And so I, I do believe that North Carolina has a chance in this game. Uh, emotion plays a big role, and I know Larry Fedora has, has gotten some grief uh, during his tenure for maybe not matching uh, the, you know, the opponents, especially in rivalry games, the opponent's emotion level. So that'll be key. I mean, North Carolina can't come into this game and, and have to try to play up to state's level. They have to make state play up to their level. And if they can do that, then I think they can be competitive in this game and you maybe get to the fourth quarter and win. I think the state's team last year was probably better than the one they have this year. Uh, although you, we'll talk about it later on, but I think state has a big advantage with their their passing game over North Carolina's secondary. But beyond that, I think these teams are you're pretty evenly matched for the most part. Um, and I think if North Carolina can make some plays, granted we haven't seen them really do that, but if they can make some plays, they can win win this one, and it'd be a good way to to close out a a pretty miserable season for the Tar Heels. Jason, one thing, the line to me is shockingly low. Um, six and a half at the time we're recording this podcast. But sort of what's interesting going in is NC State has quite a few times, except for um, on one occasion, come out and really smack North Carolina in the mouth running the football. And they've done it and they've won the trenches they've been able to push Carolina around and move the ball on the ground pretty solidly. This year, NC State, you know, their bell cow is throwing the ball with Ryan Finley and Harmon and those receivers. Uh, your thoughts on that regard? I mean, it just seems like it's a little flipped um, as as it has been in the past um, going into this ball game. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I, I do think uh, this is a this is a game where – <laughs> basically Ryan Finley's ability to push the ball down the field to those receivers and, you know, guys like Harmon who are huge uh, and athletic uh, is, is going to be the problem for, for NC for uh, 
uh, UNC as they as they're uh, dealing with injuries in the secondary and and just don't have the personnel that you'd like to have to to face those NC State receivers and and uh, a quarterback who's at least gonna gonna get a few drinks of water and carry a clipboard in the NFL if not the, if not more so uh, so yeah I mean this is that's a that's not a great matchup and and uh, I don't think their running game is nearly as good as it's been in the last few years uh, so you know I think that that changes things for for how Carolina has to defend them. Uh, and I think Carolina, again, like you said, Carolina's going to come in this and try to try to run the ball down their throats. So it's a it is a bit of a, a flip compared to what we've seen in recent years. And, you know, given the results of a lot of those recent years, maybe uh, maybe that's the reason for for the uh, for the lower uh, lower than expected spread. Greg, talk a little bit about the. You know, you kind of want to make, if you're North Carolina, you want to try to make NC State one-dimensional. They always say that. But their one-dimension, if it's throwing the ball, is is solid. But I think a concern for North Carolina is even stopping NC State's running game with the, the issues they have on the defensive line. I think fully healthy Carolina's defensive line certainly could shut down NC State's running game and may still be able to. Uh, but speak to that portion of it. I mean – Jason mentioned the injuries in the secondary, the injuries in the defensive line, especially the interior are just as bad, if not worse. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't know if you're going to have guys like Aaron Crawford, Jeremiah Clark, Jalen Dalton. And even if you do have them, you know, they're not going to be completely healthy. Uh, and you know, Jason Strobridge has been banged up lately. So there are a lot of, a lot of injuries you've got to deal with, but if North Carolina is going to have any kind of success slowing down Finley, it starts there. And so I don't exactly know how you approach it. Cause if you get too aggressive, you know, maybe you, you leave yourself exposed on the back end. I talked with JP, you know, John Papuchas this week about that concern of, look, I mean, you know, going in that States licking their chops, right. With saying, okay, so we got Myers and, and Steven and all these guys, going up against Corey Bell and Greg Ross, who have struggled at times in recent weeks, uh, you know, coming off the bench and trying to fill in for, for Cotman and KJ Sells. Um, so what do you do? And really kind of the answer is, well, number one, you have to disguise your coverages. You have to try to trick Ryan Finley a little bit. And Finley's a, a veteran kid. Uh, he's he's going to see through a lot of that stuff, I would imagine. So do you take the risk and say, okay, well, if he's going to be smart enough to you know, uncover some of those disguises, do you just make him get rid of the ball quicker and try to get it with your front four? If that doesn't work, you know, send some extra guys to get pressure, even if that leaves your guys on the islands uh, you know, in the secondary. So I imagine that'll be something that Papuchas will watch throughout the course of the game and see if that's something he can get away with. The last thing you want is to have some uh, catastrophic plays. You know, North Carolina's offense has not been good enough to kind of answer those types of plays. So you want to limit those for sure, but you also don't want to allow Finley to nickel and dime you down the field because he certainly will do that. Uh, you know, State does a really good job uh, moving the ball through the air. And the other thing is they're very good on third down. I mean, they're converting like 50% on third down, even though they're running game as Jason said, has not been really impressive this year. So that's a pretty impressive stat. So uh, it is a challenge for sure. But if you can get some pressure up front, especially 
you know, from Carney and from Fox. Uh, that would go a long way in the, the answering some of these questions. Yeah, you mentioned the catastrophic plays, and I watched uh, as much of the Rams and Chiefs game as I could. Mahomes just goes nuts, but the Rams caused enough mistakes by Mahomes to be able to win the ball game in the end. So I've got a question for you, Jason, but before I get to it, I want to talk about HeelsTravel.com. They were a valued IC podcast sponsor, and they've received some great reviews for that travel package that they had set up for the UNC Cal game earlier this fall. Right now, Hills Travel is still selling packages to see Carolina basketball take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. It's a great opportunity to go to a fun city over the Christmas holiday, maybe even give a Christmas gift and share it early. Call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HillsTravel.com and book that trip. Round trip airfare RDU to Chicago, transportation to and from the airports, and two-night stay at the Omni Chicago, right on Michigan Avenue in the heart of Chicago. Carolina basketball team staying right there, pretty cool, especially if you've got your kids with you, pretty cool. They'll get to see the Tar Heels possibly up close. Hills travel price and inclusions they are offering on this Omni Chicago are less than if you book it directly. So it's a great chance to see the Tar Heels take on Kentucky. That's a great opponent on a big stage in a great city around Christmas. 336-855-0060 or heelstravel.com to book your trip. So Jason, my question is this. You are defensive coordinator for the week, and we do this every week, so you should be prepared. Uh, your ga- <laughs> your game plan for North Carolina, knowing what they have, and uh, granted, we're doing this a little bit earlier in the week, so uh, the injury situation may improve for North Carolina as the week goes, but how do you approach defending NC State to give North Carolina a chance in this ball game on Saturday? Um, I, well, I think, I think a lot of it's already been said, and that's that you have to get pressure – on Finley and the main thing is you have to get him moved off his spot if if he's able to to drop back and throw quickly and he gets the ball out about as quickly as anybody and that's one of the things that makes it so hard to face NC State's passing game is he's a hard guy to pressure they've got a good offensive line uh, they pass block well and then he gets he gets rid of the football really quickly uh, and he's good about that he finds his hot reads he gets it out uh, but you've got to find a way to to move him off that spot so that he can't just drop back and and release you know from from where he wants to throw. You've got to get him moving a little bit and you and you give yourself a chance. So number one is you have to find a way to create pressure. Now the good thing is that Carolina's been able to do that. The bad thing is that without Dalton, without some of the other guys that they have out, you know, if they're going to be out. We don't know what, what all their status is going to be, but if those guys aren't playing on the interior, it's going to be a lot harder to bring pressure. But if you've got a, a closer to a full complement inside, then basically my thing is you just let those ends go. You don't have to worry about him. This, that's, a, that's a change between uh, from, from what the last couple of weeks have presented, where you know even last week you had to worry about the quarterback with his legs. You do not have to worry about Ryan Finley you know, running 60 or 70 yards up the field like Daniel Jones. He's not going to do that. So you can you can release those defensive linemen a little bit more and say, just get aggressive and get there. 
Uh, and that's one thing I'm doing is I'm turning those ends loose a little bit. I'm using some twists. I'm doing everything I can to get pressure uh, and ideally to try to get pressure with four or five. Uh, so to me, it's a good fire zone week at times where that means you're, you're cover three behind behind the uh, behind a blitz. Uh, so you bring five rushers and then you have a cover three zone behind it to try to uh, stay soft enough that they can't beat you over top. Uh, you've got to find ways to protect who you think your weakest corner matchup is. Uh, so you want to make sure you're rotating a safety over that. Uh, but to me, force NC State to throw to someone other than their than their receivers. So you know, don't let them, don't let uh, Harmon go for 200 yards like he did against uh, against Syracuse, even though they lost that game. Uh, don't go, don't let him just go off and let Finley throw to him. Force Finley, and again, this is a very different thing from prior NC State teams. I mean, last year, you you did not want Finley thrown to the tight end or the running backs or whatever, because those were the guys that would hurt you. You know, Naheem Hines and uh, 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 Samuels. I mean, those were guys that were the versatile guys and, and the guys that would really cut you up inside. Force them to throw to their tight ends. Force them to throw to their backs and then try to make the tackle in the open field and do that off of off of some pressure. So that's how I'm approaching this. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to bring varied looks and you know, you're not going to confuse Finley all that much, but if you can at least force him to come off that first read of the of the wide receiver and have to make a throw to a secondary or tertiary read having had to move a little bit off his spot, you got a chance. And and to me, that's the, that's the key. Uh, you do have to stop the run on first down. You know, that's, that goes without saying, but the rest of it, that's, that, that's the key to me. Just to provide some, some stats to kind of back up what, what Jason's saying there. Uh, when you look at the pro football focus stats with Ryan Finley uh, against no pressure, he is completing 73.2% of his passes at a 8.7 yards per attempt. That's good for a grade of 91.5. Under pressure, uh, he's completing 49% of his passes. Huh. Uh, that's still he's he's still efficient, he's still 71 grade, but that's that's quite a, a, a drop. That's I mean, talking 73 to 49 in completion percentage. So, uh I think that's a pretty easy target, you know, you can say, look, you know, how North Carolina does with getting to Finley will largely depend on, you know, largely decide how this game plays out. So, Greg, do you put Patrice Renee on Harmon and he stays there the entire game, or do you continue to play as they've played and put uh, the, the weaker links in the field, the field sides? I, I mean, that that's always been interesting for me this season to watch is, um, the weak links have always been on the field side in the wide open spaces, and it seems like it's been a big issue for North Carolina. Is this a game that they switch and put Renee on Harmon no matter where he goes? I don't think so, because if you look at kind of what State has done, as Jason said earlier, I mean, they got big receivers. I mean, when you hmm. when you look at kind of their their top guys, I mean, Harmon, 6'3", 215, Jacoby Myers, 6'2", 203, uh, Emeka Amizi, is six three two oh eight. 
and you say, wow, those are pretty big guys. But then you look at the numbers. You know, Harmon's got 72 catches. Myers is at 69 and, and nine games. Amizi's at 40 through 10 games. So Finley is good enough uh, that he can spread the ball around. So I, I get the idea of maybe sticking Renee and letting him follow somebody. I don't think that serves you. Yeah, that doesn't really accomplish the goal. I mean, I think you're going to have to be solid across the field. And if you're just going to move Renee around, then Finley's got other options to attack. I mean, we've seen it before. We saw it against Duke where you, you're going to go after guys like Corey Bell and Greg Ross and try to take advantage of those guys because you don't necessarily want to throw it at Patrice Renee. Not that he's you know an elite corner by any stretch, but he's, he's played pretty well this year. And I think Finley just has enough options where if he if he has time to sit back there, uh, he can kind of pick you apart, especially with how this UNC uh, secondary has been. But that kind of gets back to you know, what we've talked about with, with JP saying, you know, they've got to do a really good job of kind of disguising the looks to try to throw off Finley just a bit and then hope you have enough pressure there uh, on him to, to make him get rid of the ball quickly. So let's flip it and look on with Carolina's got the ball. And Jason, we mentioned it earlier. I mean, I think, and I've said it before, Carolina's got to run the football to beat NC State, to have any chance to beat NC State. Of course, it's going to depend on who's the quarterback. And, uh, you know, if one quarterback plays, the chances are higher than if another quarterback plays. I get that. But let's talk about the run game specifically. I mean, these guys have, have been successful. Um, your thoughts on how Carolina can make some hay against NC State on the ground? Well, I mean, it starts with with uh, getting a comparable uh, push up front from what they've got in the last few weeks. I mean, they ran the ball against against Duke. They ran the ball, uh, obviously, last week. Uh, they, they've run the ball pretty successfully all year. Uh, and, and that starts, starts up front. And then, it, you know, obviously finishes, uh, primarily with, uh, with, with Carter who continues to show that he's a special back. So the main thing is you have to come in with a kind of pitch count for Carter, where you say, we're going to get him the ball in these specific things that we think he does best as often as possible. Uh, and we, you know, we have this number, let's say, you know, you decide that that, that number is 18, we're going to get him the ball 18 times in these contexts, no matter what's going on in the game. And you decide you're just going to do that. Uh, so that's, that's one thing, but again, you, I think you, you already said it in terms of the quarterback matters because the, the reality is if they know that they, that they can just load up and they can basically stop the run and that's it, then it's going to be a lot harder. I mean, we already saw what they did, uh, you know, what they've done against a few other one-dimensional teams. I mean, uh, what they did against a, a one-dimensional Florida State team. They looked much better defensively against that team than they have uh, at least stopping the run because that Florida State team can't, can't run it uh, than, than they have otherwise. Now, here's the, here's the kicker on all this is – NC State's weakness is not the run game. It's that their secondary is really is really poor. And when you're trying to when you're when you're looking at those ma- mismatches, when you're looking at those matchups on the outside, you know, you talk about Harmon being a, mat- a matchup problem for for NC State against against uh UNC's corners. Anthony Ratliff Williams and that 
group of of uh, UNC corners or uh, wide receivers. Sorry, it's late, everybody. Uh, that group of wide receivers is a similar mismatch against NC State's secondary. So to me, even though, yeah, it starts with the with offensive line getting the comparable kind of push to what they've got in the last few weeks, yeah, it's helpful to have Michael Carter. Really, the key here is proving to NC State that you can throw the ball well enough on them that they're actually going to have to protect that weak secondary because they're going to give up big plays if you can make any throws in the secondary. They've been bad at it all year. They give up a ton of big plays. All you have to do is turn on that uh, that Syracuse tape. <laughs> they 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 gave up a ton. Uh, so if you can put a quarterback out there who's going to make decent decisions and is going to be able to threaten that defense, especially over the middle of the field, where they they can't cover at linebacker, their safeties can't cover, and their corners are not great. I mean, their back seven is, is, has some problems. If you can if you can create a couple big plays there and force them to have to stay stay back and play back, now all of a sudden you can run it the rest of the game because they're terrified of giving up the one play drive and they want to make you, you know, have to beat them with consistency. And now, as the Carolina offense, you got a chance to hand that ball off and actually win the game. So to me, that's where this where, where this has to go, and I think that. Uh, makes my feelings fairly obvious in terms of what needs to happen at the quarterback position there. Greg, I want to come back to you, but first let me talk about Jersey Mike's subs of Chapel Hill. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for the NC State game on Saturday or a basketball game in December or whenever the Hills are in town playing or just coming through Chapel Hill in the area to visit the campus, get some Christmas gifts for your loved ones? Stop by one of Jersey Mike's now five stores in and around the Chapel Hill area to get a delicious sub sandwich. Use the code HEELS15 and get 15% off when you order online. It's only good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations, and it's online only. So go to jerseymikes.com and order. jerseymikes.com front slash order. It'll show those locations. Pick one of those locations. Order your food. Pick out your favorite sub and at checkout, enter Hills 15 and get that 15% off. Then when you show up at the store, skip that line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do it today. Do it now. Place an order online at one of those five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. Remember to code Hills 15 when you check out online and pick up your sub and take off to wherever your destination may be. Greg, your thoughts? I mean, it, it all comes down to quarterback play, whether it's uh, Nathan Elliott or whether it's Cade Fort. Carolina's quarterbacks, We I've said they need to run the ball, and I think they do need to run it successfully against NC State because I think states, especially a guy like Pratt, is going to be coming after the quarterbacks to do some damage. But doesn't this game all rely for North Carolina on that one position of quarterback? I think so, and Jason stole my thunder a little bit, which he normally does. But, I mean, State, where they've been good defensively is run defense. I mean, they're they're holding teams of 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they really limited what Clemson did. Uh, I think Louisville probably had the most success against them all season long, and that's because that game got out of hand so quickly last week. Um, so, you know, State – 
no doubt in my mind that Dave Doran's coming into this game saying uh, they're going to have to beat us at quarterback. And, of course, everybody's thinking it's going to be Nathan Elliott. We know Kate Fortin has been practicing the last couple of weeks. Uh, everybody knows that he came in to throw a ball into the Duke game. Clearly, at that point in time, I don't think he was fully healthy quite yet. We'll have to see. I, I would think that he would play. Uh, you know, Larry Fedora has been coy about that. But we know he's been going through practice. We know he's been going through warm-ups in, in the last couple of games. So this would be the opportunity to Cade to come back in. And, you know, if you're Larry Fedora and Cade Fortin is is ready and able to go, uh, you know, and you're, you're coaching for your job, then, you know, uh, put him out there. You know, say, look, this is the future. You know, if we can beat NC State, you know, maybe that, that gives him a little bit of support, uh, you know, after that game. But if, if you can have Cade Fortin come in and make some passes, like you say, down the field, just to loosen up that box a little bit, then maybe you can have some success. I think uh, Antonio Williams should be back this week. Michael Carter, uh, as Jason said, is, is really kind of proven himself to be a stud. Javante Williams gives him some options. So you've got some backs there. And then I think North Carolina has had a lot of success really attacking the edges. And I know fans get, get irritated with the screen passes and those types of things, but they really use that as an extension of the run game. Uh, so if you can hit some passes down the field and take advantage of that weak state secondary, everything else looks a lot better. And even if it is Nathan Elliott, I mean, I, I don't think you can be uh, you, too persnickety and saying, look, we're going to have to run the ball and that's all we can do. I think you're going to have to at least take some chances. And if it fails, it fails. But at least try to loosen that defense up, and that will give you some opportunities to maybe uh, move the ball some. Did you yeah, just say for snicking it? Hold on. Did you what? You got me googling words while you're talking. That good is word. a first. It is. That's, a, that's a good word. Now that's like a thirty-five point Scrabble word. I think you win for that. Go ahead, Jason. It, well, and 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 I think you're absolutely right that, uh, Greg, that that he, uh, <laughs> even if it's Nathan Elliott, their secondary has been so weak and has given up so many big plays. That you make that you got to make the call to, to to challenge downfield, and quite honestly, their secondary is bad enough that you know Nathan, the Nathan Elliott that that had a pretty good day against Pitt, the Nathan Elliott that had a pretty good day against Syracuse, could be the same guy we see against NC State because you're talking about receivers that are probably going to have a good amount of space to work. So, I mean, just be, if Nathan Elliott goes out there, runs out there as the starter, that doesn't mean this game, you know, suddenly all of a sudden Carolina's chances are over. No. That with this NC State secondary, you know, if Elliott comes out and, and just makes proper decisions, he's going to have some chances. And those receivers are going to have some chances for yards after the catch and to make big plays because there are some mismatches out there. So... Yeah, I mean, you have to decide. I mean, you're absolutely right that Doran and that defensive staff, they're going to come in and go, well, let's make him beat us with the pass because one thing we can't afford is to let them run it all. So they're going to they're gonna come in and commit to that from minute one. So if you're Carolina, you have to come in and say, well, we know they're not going to let us just run it on them. 
Uh, so the one thing we have to do is we have to scheme up a couple shots that we think we can get early on and loosen that up. And if, you know, if, if you can score on a couple of them early and, and get a quick 14, all the better, but that's where, that's where the game has to be won. And that's with Nathan Elliott or, or otherwise. Now, I think obviously if Fortin plays, then that, that may, may even be, that, that probably makes it even more likely because of how he can push the ball down the field. Snickety, placing too much emphasis on trivial or minor details. Fussy. Great word, Greg. You win the day. It's a great, it's a great word for this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a great word for this whole season in general. Um, <laughs> all right, Jason, let me ask you about the rivalry aspect. Speak to that. You've been involved um, in big-time rivalries. Just talk about the mood, um, how emotion plays into it. I mean, we've seen, uh, we've already talked about how one team in this rivalry over the years will come out more physical than the other. Um, just speak to the whole, you know, overall arcing thing, because I know there's a lot of Carolina fans out there, and we're not going to talk about it, um, but have an opinion on the coaching situation. And a lot of North Carolina fans have have told me that they're torn about how they think about this ball game, just speak to the rivalry aspect. Cause like we said the other day, you always want to beat your rivalry, no matter what your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, don't dance around it. There, there are some UNC fans out there who are actually willing to say that they hope North Carolina loses this game so that it's Larry Fedora's last game. So that, that, you know, in their minds, you know, if, if you can lose this game to guarantee that, then you lose it. And to those people, I say, no, <laughs> no, you always beat your rival. And if you get a chance to stick your foot on their neck, you stick your foot on their neck. You always want to beat your rival. Now, if you are the athletic director or the powers that be, you never allow a win over a rival or one win period, one game period to make your decision in terms of personnel. That's the thing you can't, can't allow. So, you know, I don't think the results of this game one way or another should decide what happens at the, at, at the coaching position. You have to evaluate the direction of the program, the full body of work. You have to evaluate all that stuff. And what happens in this game is is a very small part of a larger picture. So, you know, if you're if you're going to make a coaching change beforehand, then you commit to that, you know, regardless of the result of the game. And if you're not planning on making a coaching change, then you do, you know, you basically do the same thing. But you can't make that decision on the basis of that. Bottom line, though, is you always want to beat your rival. And as a player, that is even more true. Because, you know, the, the thing about rivalries is for one thing with fans, it's different because there's a, there's the whole identification with your team and there's the cultural thing that goes along with that. And, you know, you got to get something like with state versus versus Carolina, there's a whole different sort of ethos around the two schools and the, and the two fan bases and the different kinds of fans and where those fans are from and, and all of that. There's, there's a lot of identity involved there and there's some bad blood involved there because of because of the rivalry and and all the identity stuff that goes with it the tribal stuff with players it's less about that because a lot of these players I mean there are players who grew up either state fans or, or UNC fans and so on and for them there is a little bit of that in terms of of uh of you know 
the, the, the fan in them still remains. But the thing that, that, that really changes this, aside from you know that's your rival, you know it matters more to everybody, is more often than not, rivalry games are where you, you grew up playing against and with more guys on that other team than in most other, other matchups. So guys at NC State are guys that were generally recruited by North Carolina and by North Carolina State. Guys at North Carolina were recruited by both. And for whatever reason, they chose that this school is the one that I identify with more than the other. And those guys who went over there, you know, I may have a couple teammates who are on that team, or I, those are guys that were in the same county as me. And we've been playing against each other ever since we were nine years old, eight years old. And that, you know, there was always a question of whether that guy was better or I was better. Well, I, now, you know, you're, you're talking about two brothers that are fighting and you're not going to get a whole lot more intense fight than if two brothers fight. So now, and, and that's, that's about proving yourself and about demonstrating that, no, I'm, you know, we, we are the better team here. We are, I'm better than you were grow. I've always been better. There's something to, and, and, and the thing is, there's also some respect that's there too, because of the, uh, because of those relationships, but that doesn't tone it down. That just turns up the intensity of the, of the rivalry. So as, as from a player's perspective, it, it's just different. Uh, and all of that sort of feeds into it such that even if you're a one win team or a two win team coming into a rivalry game, it really doesn't matter. You know, that is a situation where you can kind of throw out the, 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 uh, the record books as you know, especially in, in a context like this one, where it's not like North Carolina doesn't have talent on the roster. It's not like they've been going out there and getting blown out all year. There's been a lot of close losses, and this team could very easily be in a bowl game in terms of you know how close they've been to winning some of these games and just having certain things not go the way that they should. The, the gap between these programs isn't real big, and those players know it. And now, as the team with you know only, only a couple wins on that, you say, okay, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna demonstrate in this game that we're that we still are better than them, and so you're gonna bring it that much harder than you would in any other game. Prediction time, boys. Greg, you're first. Go. Uh wow. I think uh, I th- I think this is another one where North Carolina just unfortunately uh, the, the matchups don't work in their favor. Uh, I think on both sides of the ball, really. And uh, I think because of that, I think Ryan Finley is going to have some success throwing the ball. North Carolina will not be able to match it. So I've got the Wolfpack winning this one, 31-21. Jason, you're up. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of the same mind. I mean, I think this is a game that probably going to be a lot more competitive than most fans of either team expect. I think that that spread is is close. Uh, close to the truth in terms of the actual differential between the teams. Uh, you know, I think this is a game that North Carolina absolutely can win because of the ability of the Carolina receivers against that that NC State secondary. Uh, but ultimately, the the problem that I have is is Carolina's corners against those wide receivers and the concern, the, the questions about injuries and who's going to play where. There, there are just too many questions on the uh, question marks on the uh, on the Carolina side for me to pick Carolina to win this game. 
I think it's going to be closer than expected. Uh, but I think ultimately this is one more, just yet one more game, one more point along the, the season trajectory where it just seems like they can't get over the hump and they can't quite manage to, to uh, overcome what they need to, to win a game. So I've got, uh, I've got NC state winning the game. Uh, let's say 31 to 27. Interesting. I'll go uh, 35 17 NC State. It's just, uh, it is what it is at this point. Uh, quarterback position could be a huge factor for North Carolina. Um, I could see it being different if uh, that position played out in favor of North Carolina. Jason and Greg, this is our last preview wow. podcast. I mean, it's been a long season, to say the least, but I always appreciate you guys coming on. I always appreciate you guys taking time to talk, discuss it. You know, whether they're one and eight or eight and one, y'all bring it every night. Greg, Jason, I, man, I appreciate it. I'd like Thanks to say so it's much. been fun, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, could, if you consider a root canal fun, it's been fun. Right. Absolutely, it's been fun, but it's a whole been a whole lot less fun than when when things are going well. Yeah, indeed. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next year will be a lot better. Yeah, quite different, I'm sure. Boys, y'all take it easy. Safe travels over the holiday. Thanks, thanks for time. listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15 percent off your online order with the promo code Heels15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.